Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good morning. I'm up and running. God is good, hey? God is good. (laughs) If you've been coming for, oh, visitors, we want to welcome our visitors. We want to welcome all of you, but I get to say welcome visitors. So if you're here for the first time, or please raise your hand. Not that we want to embarrass you, but we just want to give you a little gift and say welcome to this place. Thank you for joining us today. And if you keep your hand up, we'll just give you, you can learn some information about who we are and all those lovely things. And afterwards, be so kind as to join us for coffee at the back and a, and a cake. On, as you go out on the right-hand side. We'd love to get to know, we, know you. We'd love to meet you. So we've been doing relationships. And last week, Johan spoke about Holy Spirit. And I'm going to continue with that, speaking about Holy Spirit, but in a slightly different package. Who's done marriage counseling? <laughs> Not enough. Who's done post-marital, pre-marital, post-marital? What's one of the things they always teach us? There's men learn things. I don't know if that's an unfair question. Let me just answer it because there's so many things they teach us. But one of the things is our love languages, hey? Because what we tend to do is we love, and it's not only our spouses, it's our children, it's our friends. We love them in the way that we like to be loved, yeah? And it's, it's selfish because we've got to figure out that sometimes what I like, my friend or my child or my husband or my whatever, doesn't like to be loved in that way. In fact, they find it, no, you know, it doesn't actually give them any joy. So we need to figure out and be unselfish and love each other the way they like to be loved. So today I'm doing, well, firstly, one of the gifts, you could label these about six, I think, one of them is giving of gifts. Nice one. Giving of gifts. Giving and receiving of gifts makes you feel loved. So my heading today is gifts from God. Gifts from God. This, we couldn't, if I preach, we'd be here till next year if I listed them all. So I've picked out three. One from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit, and from the Father that I believe he wants to tell us about today. So turn with me to to Luke chapter 24. And as you're turning there, verse 36 will also be on the screen. What's happened is Jesus has been crucified, he's died, he's buried, and he's risen again. And the ladies have seen him, Mary have seen him, they've seen him at the tomb and they've told him he's alive, he's alive. And he's been with the guys on the, on the road to Emmaus. Remember those guys? Well, they're like, oh, well, you know, the Messiah has died, so we may as well just go to Emmaus. And this man joins them and it says their hearts burned in them when he, and he disappeared and they realized it was Jesus. And now he appears to the disciples in the upper room. That's where we are. So verse 36, as they were talking about these things, gee, these two got to see Jesus. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. Oh, it's Jesus. No. They were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. I bet they were freaking out. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet? They could seal the imprint of the nails. 
that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? Very practical. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, and if, if Jewish, you will know what he's basically saying is there is the whole Old Testament, the whole Old Testament. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Oh, my Lord, how I wish I'd been there. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And verse 49, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus gives life. Jesus gives life. In this little scenario, we see the reality of the resurrection. He rose from the dead physically. He is now seated, as we read other scriptures, he ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is, a, he is alive. But he also, in this bit, he shows the necessity of the cross. Why did God have to come to earth and die? Because you and I are sinners. We have to repent. Did you see those two words? Repent. Repent says, I see I am a sinner. You might say, oh, come on. You're always talking about the sin stuff. What is sin? I haven't murdered anyone. I'm a really nice guy or girl. I do good things. How can you call me a sinner? But sin is when we, anything, any lie, any evil thought. We are sinners. We sin daily. I sin daily. And the Bible tells me, that the penalty of sin is death. No relationship with God, ever. But Jesus came and he had to die, conquering, paying the penalty for my sin, conquering death, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Have you received Jesus' gift of life? Have you? It's a necessity. Absolute necessity. We cannot live, live without the gift of Jesus. And he tells us in his word, he spoke it in John and it's throughout the epistles. When you receive Jesus, what does that mean? It says, I accept Jesus, I am a sinner. I accept it. I accept that you paid the penalty. I ask you to come into my life. What does that mean? He, it word tells us that his Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. That's so weird. But it's what tells us happens. 
And Paul in Romans chapter 8 verse 9 or 9 verse 8, which way around is it? 8 verse 9 says, if you do not have the spirit of Christ, you are not. You do not know me. The Spirit has, as we've said, He has always been. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They have always been. There's always been. But when you get born again, there's something incredible happens. He comes, Holy Spirit, and He dwells inside of us. And He never goes again. And we walk with the Holy Spirit in us. But you can't have the Holy Spirit in you if you do not receive the life of Jesus. Have you received that gift? Then the Holy Spirit, he gives so many things, but the two that I felt he wanted to remind us today is he gives fruit, or he enables fruit would be the better word, and he gives gifts. Write these scriptures down. I'm not going to dwell at them. Please go and learn. In fact, in your home groups, this would be wonderful to pull these out and to study them. But he gives fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Love, nine of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Incredible gifts. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 12, verse 8 to 11, he says he gives gifts. And he says with these gifts, the fruit, if you are born again and you know Jesus, we should all be showing the fruit. But the gifts, he gives as he wills. Should we desire them? Absolutely. Should we ask for them? Absolutely. But he gives as he wills. He might give you a gift and you have it all your life after you're born again. He might give you a gift for a certain time or a certain moment. He might at any one time give you a lot of gifts. It's incredible. What are those gifts? The list and you go, wisdom, knowledge, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discernment of spirits, prophecy, speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. And I'm not going to dwell there, but those are the gifts. And if you think, well, I don't even know what those are, go and study them. Study them in your home groups. But I, what I felt to ask us today is what do you desire? What do you ask for? Is it, and I think if we're real, oh God, I want the gifts of your spirit. And this is not bad. I hope you can hear me today and what the Holy Spirit wants to say. We want the miraculous. We want the spectacular. We want to see it. But don't worry about the fruits. I don't yearn to be full of joy. Do I yearn to be full of joy as much as I yearn to have words of knowledge? Or do we, in our church and in our individual lives, we want the fun stuff. Don't bother me with the hard stuff. We want the fun stuff. And what's incredible with the gifts, the word also tells us, give you the verse, 
in Romans 11 verse 29, it says the gifts are irrevocable. What does that mean? That means I can be living an ugly life, a self-centered life, a life that says, give me, give me, give me. And he leaves the gift with me. How scary is that? I can be standing here preaching and living a second life. And God won't take the gift away. That's why again and again, we get disappointed by leaders in our churches and singers. Because we think, but look at the gift. Look at the anointing in that person. Look at the anointing in the church. But then all this ugly stuff crawls out. Why? Because God's gifts of the Spirit, the Spirit that He gives, the gifts that the Spirit gives us are irrevocable. Irrevocable. Psalm 51. Now the way... uh, the Holy Spirit, the way he dwelt in the Old Testament, he was, it was more external. But we believe that David was one man who always had the Spirit with him. Just the way that when you look at Scripture. And he messed up big time. He slept with Bathsheba. He had her husband murdered big time. And in Psalm 51, when Nathan the prophet confronts him with the sin, he says, Verse 10, 11, and 12, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Where am I going? Ephesians 4, verse 30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We can be born again. We are born. When we are born again, let me put it like that. Holy Spirit is in us. We are sealed to the day of redemption. We're sealed forever. He never, ever leaves us. He dwells here. But when we grieve him, it's like he, we become unaware of his presence. We grieve him. So he said, but how do I grieve the Holy Spirit? When we, in a simple way in, ter- in terms of today is we don't have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When I'm irritable, when I'm angry, when I'm self-centered, and the list can go on. Think of, the, of anything opposite. When I'm hating something, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And we lose, the, he's there, he never leaves us. Have we got that? But we lose the sense of him. That's why David, he's grieved the Holy Spirit. He says, don't take the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit. Get, help me to get right, Holy Spirit. Help me to get right. So how do we not grieve? Can I say, I don't know about you, but when I, as I study this and as I read it in my life, it is so easy to grieve the Holy Spirit. I do it all the time. I speak words that I shouldn't actually speak. 
I think mean thoughts. I grieve the Holy Spirit. But we don't want to think about that stuff. We just want him. We just want the fullness of him, but we're not prepared to walk in his fruit. We're not prepared to lay down our lives, to sacrifice who we are and walk in his ways. We want it easy. We want it nice and fun. And if we talk about stuff, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Guys, we've got to get real with him. We've got to get so real with him. How do we not grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, two ways, and then the third way is the gift, but the two two ways are, uh, Jesus says, abide in me. Be in him, and you will bear fruit. How do I abide in him? We read his word. We read what he says to us. I don't have time to do that stuff. We need to abide in him. We, We need to pray to him. We need to pray with him. How often? All the time. All the time. I, I love reading the Word. You know, you know me. And sometimes I pick up, I'm in the morning and I'm reading the Word and I, can, I know, Jesus, you're not, I'm, not, like, I'm not aware. I know He's in me and I know He's there, but I'm not aware of you jumping the words out at me. Check my heart. Check my day. What am I holding that I need to let go? And immediately, Lord, forgive me. I'm Just come fill me. He's there like that. I don't have to pay penance. I don't have to walk around under this cloud. Right away. Repentance, forgiveness, and he's there like a flood. Do you know Jesus? Have you accepted his life? Holy Spirit, are you embracing his gifts and his fruit and the reality of them? And abiding in, but then that incredible, incredible verse in 24 verse 49, and it's elsewhere in the Bible, the Father's gift. He says, Jesus says, behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And again in Acts, it says, wait for the promise of the Father. What is he referring to? He's referring to Pentecost. Johan mentioned it. What is Pentecost? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The drenching in the Holy Spirit. The seal of the Holy Spirit. That is what he's talking about. And that's a gift to be clothed from on high. And just a little bit of sort of teaching. There's a reformed reproach. I don't know if anyone, you've, brought, you've been brought up in a reformed church. The reformed church believes that when you're born again, there is an unconscious baptism of the Holy Spirit at that moment. Then you have the Pentecostal approach, which says it is a conscious Baptism of the Holy Spirit after salvation, and it happens again and again and again. Acts 4, Acts 1, Acts 2, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, Peter gets jailed. Oh, what's going on? 
What's happening with Peter and John? They get released. They're praying together. Oh, God, this is so hard. And the Holy Spirit comes again and drenches them. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you desire it? Do you want it? Can I have it again and again and again? Absolutely. Why? Why does he do it? Matthew 3.11, I hope you're writing all these scriptures down. You can go and check it out. John the Baptist says, he will baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. Fire. What is fire? Three things. Fire is power. You watch a fire. You watch a, there was a, we live in Lakeside, and there was a, I don't know, someone must have thrown a cigarette or something, and this fire just went because the grass was dry. And there was smoke. It was powerful. You couldn't stop it. Jesus says when he, when before he goes, when he's speaking about the Pentecost, he says, you will have power to be my witnesses. Not power to witness, power to be my witnesses. What makes me a witness in this world? When I am different from those around me, when I am showing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness all the time, he gives me the power. He enables those, those gifts, those fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he baptizes us. What else does a fire do? It illuminates. It shows you. What does it show me? The joy of your salvation. The assurance of your salvation. The intimacy you can have with God. I'm getting passionate because, guys, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to baptize us. So he brings power, he illuminates, and he cleanses. He cleanses us. He restores my heart so that whatever I do brings him glory, not me glory. Not, whoa, whoa, look at that fancy preacher. Whoa, 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 look at him, he works in the gifts. No, he cleanses my heart so I bring him glory. All eyes on Jesus. Why does Jesus deserve glory? He has paid the price for my salvation that I might live. He enables sanctification. He enables me to yield fruit. The cleansing that he does. This book, good book to read. Holy Fire, R.T. Kendall. And Artie speaks about something else, which I need to mention here. He talks about, so what do we do? What, firstly, let me ask this. What do we do to be baptized? We ask. We ask. We yearn for it. And he said, but it doesn't ever happen. Don't stop asking. Don't stop yearning. And have you noticed, it's not, okay, I'm not going to go there, sorry. But the one thing Artie Kendall speaks about is he talks about strange fire. Way back in Leviticus chapter 10, just after Aaron, who's the priest, and they've all been set aside, anointed to be the priests of God, to bring sacrifices before God. And two of his sons, Nadab and Abihu, Leviticus 10, 
You can go and read why, who knows why they did it. But they took their senses that are dedicated to God. They put fire in them and they put incense in them. And the word tells us they bought unauthorized fire before God, not at his command. And you know what happened? Holy fire destroyed them, dead. Jonathan Edwards says, when the church, said he's dead now, when the church is revived, so is the devil. Satan, we don't like to hear this, Satan counterfeits. What does that mean? He pretends to be God. He pretends to do what only God can do. He can cause a preacher to preach the most amazing word. He knows scripture better than anyone. He can create gifts of the Holy Spirit, miracles. He can do that and he does. Why? Because like Johan said in the middle of the, at the end of the, when we'd had the time, he said, don't think this is flaky. Because and sadly, there are many flaky people out there who are doing all sorts of funny stuff in the name of Jesus. And it is, the, it is Satan. It is the devil. But one thing the devil will never do is he will not bring glory to Jesus and to God. And that's how we know who's getting the glory here. Who's getting the glory? Because the Holy Spirit will only bring glory to Jesus. Only. Another thing to help us in how do we know it's you, Holy Spirit? Why does the devil do it? Because if he can get people to say, well, I'm not doing any of that stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's so much rubbish out there and da-da-da-da. Why? Because the devil doesn't want us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want us to experience the real thing. So if he can distract us with the rubbish, he, he, he hamstrings us. And we're not walking in the power and the cleansing and the light of God. Because we're so worried about this other stuff. We don't have to be worried about the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy chapter 1, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So as I finish on this promise of this Father, the clothing that He gives us, it will cause fearlessness. That's not courage. Fearlessness means I do not fear. Why? Because by his power, I understand he's got it in control. Do I slip into fear? Of course I do. So what do I do? God, who are you? What have you promised? He takes that anxious thoughts away of power. It's come over and over again. Dunamis, that's the Greek word. He brings power, the Holy Spirit. Not a scary power, 
an incredible power, a power for life, a power for healing, a power for miracles, a power to walk in, his, in the ways of God. Both of those, I can do nothing. I can't make myself fearless. I cannot manufacture power. Love. Only Jesus gives that love. Only God gives that love. But this one, I choose to walk in it. I choose to walk in love. I can resist his love. I choose to forgive. I choose to not be irritable. I choose to not get angry. And when I do, I'm sorry, Holy Spirit. Fearlessness, power, love, and self-control. Self-control. And there's so many areas of self-control. We all have our different areas. But He gives us, the, power, the Spirit, Holy Spirit gives us self-control. So with a deep sincerity, I believe God the Father, God the Trinity, is saying, asking me, asking you, have you received my gifts? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you? Do you receive, take, accept the gifts of His Holy Spirit, His gifts, the fruit that He wants to, us to bear that He might get the glory? And have you been clothed over and over again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to share one little example. I, in my early 30s, we had two small children. I was doing an MBA and I was working, crazy. God was neatly packaged in a little corner. He was there, but he was neatly packaged. No, don't bother me. Let me get on with all this important stuff. And I went to a meeting and I was not, I did not have the, I had not the power to be the witness. I wasn't witnessing. And I can remember that night as clear as day. And the guy preaching said, do you want to be this promise of the Father? Do you want to be clothed with the Holy Spirit? And I didn't really, because I, if I do, what's God going to expect me to do? You know? We, we really want to surrender, commit ourselves, because what might he make me do? I have to move out of my comfort zone. I have to do stuff I don't really want, but we trust God and I went forward. I was prayed for and I shook like a leaf. I don't know for how long. Like a surge of electricity passing through my entire body. Is that of God? Well, what did it do? It renewed my passion for God. I realized that God needs to be the center and those other things will fit into place. He's not going to say, stop your MBA, do this, do that. No, but I was working in the power of the Holy Spirit and walking His way and doing things His way, not Laney's way. What's your hunger today? Have you been scared of the Holy Spirit and what his baptism might mean for you?
Oh, but I've done that. No, I don't know about you, but I mean, this week as I've prepared, come Lord Jesus, by your spirit, come fill me. Fill me, anoint me, fill me up, seal me, give me this assurance. I want more, I want more, I want more. Do you want more? God has already ministered individually. So I would like to ask us all to stand. All to stand. He has an agenda with you, with me, right now. Narnia, when they speak of Aslan the lion, now I'm talking a lack of children's book. It says about Aslan the lion, talking about Jesus. He is dangerous, but he is good. He is good. And God has, he sees every single one of you. He knows you. I don't know you, but he does. And he's speaking to you Right now, allow him to soften your heart. Let him do business. What is he saying to you this morning? Every single one. What is he saying? Don't push him away. Don't reject him. Let's close our eyes. Let's make business with God. 